Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 8. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, and because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, reading from the NIV. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask, the English Standard Version says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As he concluded in chapter 9, he goes on in chapter 10 and says, Jesus called his 12 disciples, say disciples, to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits or devils and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, say apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, who's also the son of Zebedee, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who eventually betrayed Jesus. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely you give. I want to speak to you on a subject give and take part two. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be enticing words of man's wisdom. A demonstration of spirit and power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that you give unto us the spirit of wisdom, the revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened. Help us to know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of our your inheritance that you have in each and every one of us who are your saints. And help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. And I pray that my sermon will not just simply be mere words, but that my words will demonstrate the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm, the, the whole context of this is over the next few weeks, I, I want us I really feel like the Lord wants to prepare us to really enter his rest and what does his rest means. And so 
we really had to go back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, to understand how do we get into the rest of God because uh, too many of us in this room right now, including yours truly, we're working far too hard. Amen. Anybody working hard? Okay, we're, we're working far too hard. And so the first thing we need to understand, we talked about last week, is that there can be no harvest without community. There can be no harvest without workers. There can be no harvest without laborers. You're going to need partners in order to bring in all that God has for you. Are you following me so far? You need community. So turn to the person next to you and say, you need community. I like what someone said, we can learn in isolation, but we can only grow in community. Uh, and that's why I really want to encourage you as men uh, to, to come to the Men's Summit, because that's where you men are so difficult when it comes to connecting with community. Uh, and, and yet men want community. That's why they go to sports bars. Amen. 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 Um, so we, we need community. Uh, and community, particularly uh, small groups, uh, there, there's, five th there's four things that community uh, provides. And com community provides treasure. Are you with me? Community provides talent. Community provides us with time. Community provides us with talk. What do you mean? Everybody needs love. Are you with me? Everybody needs love. We hear that. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. But we need, we need real love. Okay? And, and the point is, is that uh, there's a book that we always recommend to every married couple so that it will help you in your marriage and relationships. And that is the book, The Five Love Languages. The five love languages. And what I've discovered is that you need community so that you can be loved. So, for example, uh, this book, The Five Love Languages, if you want to get it, is by uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. And so, for example, uh, we said that community provides treasure, provides treasure. So one love language is gifts. In other words, there are people who don't really feel that they're loved unless they're given a gift. Second is, we said, in community, you will receive talent. So this, a second love language is acts of service. People don't, there's some people who are like, hey, you can give me a gift, that's fine, but I don't feel love unless you provide me with an act of service. There's some people who... Uh, the next thing is time. In community, you get treasure. In community, you get talent. In community, you get time. And for some people, uh, the their language of love is quality time. You know, for example, my mom, she loves quality time. She would rather me take her out for breakfast than to you know, send her on a trip to Barbados. Okay? There's some people that you show you love me when you spend time with me. Are you with me so far? And, and it's so important to understand because sometimes as a husband, uh, you, you, you show your wife that you love her by giving her a big diamond ring or, or buying a nice house or a car. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want that stuff. I want your time. 
And then we said uh, the last thing uh, that community provides, treasure, talent, time, is talk. 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 I like 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. I know in the King James Version, it speaks about he that prophesies, prophesies into edification, exhortation, and comfort. But the NIV, I like it, says he that prophesies, prophesies words of encouragement. Encouragement. The word encouragement is derived from two Greek words, en, which means in, and core means heart. So I need words that feed my heart. Words that feed my soul. I, I like the Passion Translation, and it says that uh, the writer, Brian, Dr. Brian Simmons, says that the word prophecy actually, actually can be translated into words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. In other words, the word affirm comes from two Latin words, ad, which means toward, and firmo, which means strength. So when I affirm uh, Elder Anita, I literally give her strength. And so the point is, is that for some people, uh, like my love gift is, my love language is words of affirmation. And so when on my 60th birthday, uh, my daughters, knowing my, my love gift, my love language is words of affirmation, they had people write out cards, uh, no, basically saying, hey, this is how you blessed me. And and when my and the funny thing is that so my birthday was January first, January sixth. Okay, thank you, January sixth. Thank you for the reminder. And so this th these couple of months have been very tough. And and yesterday my tank was feeling very low, and all of a sudden I said, I remember my box of words of affirmation. Now, this is interesting. I, I, because, no, it was my birthday, so I'm feeling all, you know, hyped up. And, but I said to myself, I'm going to not open these, and I'm going to save these for when my tank is running low. And so right now, I probably have about, I would say about 30 to 50. And every day, I open like three of them just to feed my soul. And here's a question I want to ask you. In fact, I want to ask you, turn to the person next to you and say, my friend, do you have people who feed your soul? Do you have people who help you think? Do you have people to help you with how, help you to unpack your feelings? Do you have people who, who will help you make the right decisions? Who feeds your soul? Some of you hang around with people who drain your soul. Some of you, you hang around with people that you're like one of those drinks back in the day when, you know, we remember there used to be a place called Aku Aku, and they would have these drinks where there would be like four or five straws, and everybody would drink out of the same thing, okay? And some of you, you, you're walking around with four or five straws and people are sucking the life out of you. Turn your neighbor and say, turn your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. And you wonder why you're crawling and you're wondering why you're dragging because you don't have people in your life who will feed your 
so. Love language of words of affirmation. And then, of course, in community, the last language of love is touch. Some people just say, let's be honest. How many of you, you just went to someone and said, I just need a hug? Anybody? Okay, three of you. Okay, wow. Okay. How many men have said, I just need a hug? All right, excellent, excellent. Yeah, amen, amen. Sometimes I remember I walked, I walked, I walked to my, uh, my daughter one time. I just said, just hug me. Don't say anything. Just hug me, you know? And it was wonderful. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That was their hallmark moment. (laughs) Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, oh my goodness, the harvest is far too great for me. As many people as I'm going around healing, there's just too many people. I need a community that will help me to minister to the harvest. So immediately in the next chapter, he chooses 12 disciples. Now, here's one thing you have to understand, and even as we are developing a discipleship program, the word disciple, unfortunately, when we think of the word disciple, we or discipling. So if I'm discipling Richard, the thing that we, the, the, the connotation that comes to our mind with regards to discipling is, I am going to teach you. Are you with me? I am going to pour my life into you. But that is not discipleship. The word disciple, the denotation of the word disciple is learner. So it doesn't matter how much I pour into him if he's not learning. So I have to figure out, it's my responsibility as a teacher to figure out how best he learns. And too often sometimes we as preachers, we we. We don't preach. We do an information dump. So it's like I, I preached the word and I, I dumped all this information on you. And soon after the service is over, you come back home and, and oh, what was the sermon about? I don't know, but I still felt good. <laughs> we need to be very judicious when it comes to words. This is about 16 ounces. This is all it can contain is 16 ounces. So if I have two liters of water, I can only fit in 16 ounces. So, mm, let me find right here. So if I have two liters full of words and people can only stand 16 ounces, I need to figure out judiciously What's the most important 16 ounces? Because, see, y'all are very, see, see, I know that y'all are very polite. So I could preach, I could probably preach to quarter past 10, another hour, 
and you'll sit there and you'll be polite. But at the 16 ounces, you, you are thinking about the beach. It's 85 degrees weather. It's the long weekend. Uh, no, Toronto beat uh, uh, um, uh, the Bucks yesterday. Uh, you're thinking about everything. You're on your phone, you know, looking, like, looking at me like you're looking in your Bible, but really you're like, hmm, okay. See, I see. I just don't call you out, but I see you. So you got to use words judiciously. That's why there is a science to TED Talks. If you look at TED Talks, they're not any longer, usually in about 18 to 20 minutes because there's a science to how much people can just take in. So my point is, is that Jesus calls 12 disciples. He had more than 12. And one scripture said he had 72. But he chooses 12 who have learned and made them apostles. So the learners can now be apostles, meaning the learners can now be sent out. They can be sent out to do what they learned. And Jesus basically says, I want you to do the four things that I'm doing. So I, 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 I went back about... Some of you don't even remember. This is my last point. Uh, I have two more points, and this is the next to last. Um, back in March, we had a we did the ninety-one hour straight watch in the church, uh, and and then that was back in April. Around then in March, during our consecration, we we had a season what we call a living life on purpose. And we brought in speakers, missionaries from different parts of the world. And there was a woman that I really enjoyed. Her name was uh, Pam Arlen. Uh, and she was the head of All Nations International. You can uh, Google that organization. And amazing woman who, who learned how to speak this, uh, this least known dialect of Chinese because she wanted to reach a certain people group that only make up like 1% of the, the whole Chinese uh, ethnic community. So uh, she came here, and, and I recorded her because I was just intrigued with the fact that, that she really believed, and let's, we are called to do what Jesus did. And, and, and so she says when she goes to a village, she follows the scriptures exactly what Jesus said to do. And so what was interesting is that Jesus said, this is what your responsibility is as, as a sent one. And I use the acronym HEAL. Everybody with me? He says, heal the sick. Heal the sick. And I, I was really grateful that Pam, she shared, when, when I go to a village, I'm looking to heal the sick. Because that way, these people who worship idols know that God is real. Heal the sick. The second thing he said is expel devils. Cast out devils. <laughs> the next thing is to announce, NLT says announce, or preach the kingdom of heaven. 
we are here to announce the government of God. We're here to, your job is not a job, it is a kingdom assignment. And, and you are there as God's representative, representative of how Jesus acts. So I ask you, for example, if you are a supervisor or a boss, wouldn't it be awesome is that as the supervisors of boss, your, your um, subordinates or the people you're in charge of, they walked into your office and they saw the names of all the people in your department on a wall and they say, what's our name on that wall for? And you as a supervisor say, I pray for you and your family every day. How powerful will that be? Guess what? I bet you they never had a boss like that. And then he says, heal the sick, expel demons, announce the kingdom of heaven, and lost people, go get them. Go get the lost. I was struck and almost frightened because I never looked up the word lost in the Greek, because my attitude is lost is you can't find. So what's the big deal? But the word lost in the Greek was frightening. The word lost in the Greek means those who are ruined. The lost in the Greek means those who have been roughed up in life. The, lost, the word lost in the Greek means those who have been hindered. Those who are impaired. Go after the lost. Even if they have on a nice suit, they're impaired. So I've really been, as, as I've been contemplating on this, I've said, okay, God. And I said, I like the way what Pam was t in her her message, she talked about going in and healing the sick. She, she talked about going into village and casting out demons. And, 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 and she talked about announcing the kingdom of God, announcing the kingdom of God. Now, here's the problem, and I'll conclude with this. You can't announce what you don't know. That's the power of these children is that they're going to be able to say, who's the one who said, uh, Romans 8, verse 28. Why don't you stand up? Who said 8, Romans 8, 28? Good, I need to pay you some money. Okay, okay. Now, and this is the reason why, okay? Yeah, it, it pays to memorize the word. It's because everybody, most people, when they quote that scripture, and this is my last point, they forget the first three words. Here's how people quote it. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm, I'm a King James guy. That's not what it says. And that's why people get themselves messed up. Okay? They get themselves messed up because it does not say all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. She quoted the first three words, and we know. As, all, as long as I know, that all things are working together for good, then I'm not acting like I don't know. 
I'm not freaking out when I have a doctor's report that doesn't go in my favor. I'm not going crazy when life is going up, falling apart because I know that whatever has come into my life has had to pass through my father's hand. And if it passed through my father's hand, I know it's going to work out for good. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to work out for its good. I love the Jerusalem translation. It says, and we know that all things are conspired. Woo, Shatoboka. In other words, God is conspiring to bless you. He's, he's sneaking up a blessing on you. He does things like fire you from your job so that he can give you a promotion on a new job because you wouldn't leave that sorry job if he didn't fire you. So while you're getting mad, instead of getting mad, bless, bless, bless the Lord. Bless that man who fired you said, Woo, thank you for firing me because my father has something better. Woo, shout on the way out. Ha! As all your heathen employees was like, wow, that was different. <laughs> so I want to challenge you. In June, we're going to do an experiment. I, ha I told you earlier that I have been reading and listening to the book of Mark. And I've, and I've asked myself for the month of May, I asked myself, what would happen if I read through and listened through the entire gospel of Mark eight to ten times? Just getting Mark in my spirit, the gospel of Mark, getting it in my spirit. What would I look like? What changes would happen? And, and I'm seeing my mind being renewed. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, Elder Nita, that I'm not as comfortable as when I hear that people are sick. I'm not as comfortable as saying, well, you know, the Lord's will be done. Because when you read about Jesus going everywhere and healing the sick, you all of a sudden realize, you know what? There's something wrong with me. If Jesus says, uh, uh, and I, I'm one of the kids quoted it uh, uh, when he says, go into all the world, and in the end they will cast out those who, 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 uh, who believe in me. They will cast out devils. They will heal the sick. And, I'm, and, I, and I have to look at my life because James says the, the word of God is a mirror, and I have to ask myself, why am I not healing the sick? We're afraid to ask ourselves the hard question. So we, so, so when we don't, when it's not happening in our lives, we change the rules. Why am I not casting out devils? What, what, why am I not doing that? The beauty of that question is that the, that's the beginning of the solution. Because David said, when you inquire in the house of the Lord, God is going to give you answers. So if you find yourself, so now I'm finding myself uh, in having, being intolerated. There's an intoleration. I, I no longer can tolerate people you know, who are struggling with mental diseases and, and, and people who are, are constantly being sick. There's, there's now an anger rising up with me. He said, God, I've been reading Mark all month. This should not be. So what do I need to do 
so I can be like Jesus. Let's press, let's press the pause button and we're going to let the uh, Sunday school teachers and children go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've discovered that the reason why Jesus healed the sick was not to show off his ministry. The Bible says that before Jesus healed the sick, he was always moved with compassion. The word compassion, believe it or not, it is from two Latin words, calm, which means together, and passion. I know we, we look at the word passion that means, oh, oh, I have passion for you. No, the word passion means to suffer. So compassion means I feel your pain. I feel your brokenness. And I am going to be together with you until you get healed. And that's painful to do. Because I would rather just say be healed in the name of Jesus and move on. And, and you know, hey, you know, did Richard get healed? I don't know. I just prayed for him. Because it's too painful to keep looking at this man sick and say, no, I, 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 I am not going to stand for you staying in this condition. And I really believe that one of the most powerful exchanges in the book of Mark chapter 1 is when the leper came to Jesus and he says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. Why is that so powerful? Because some of us aren't really willing. I, I'm, I'm willing to pray for you. I want to say the Lord will be with you, but I am, not, I am not willing to sit with you and keep praying and keep praying until something is broken off of your life because I can't stand to see you suffer. So I'm moved to more than just pray for all. You mean you're still suffering with this? Okay, let's, let's fast together. Let, you're still suffering with this? Let's call on God. Let's, let's do something. But we are not going to live in a detente and a, we're not going to live uh, uh, tolerating like, well, you know, this is just the way life is going to be. Where Everywhere Jesus went, he went looking to destroy the works of the devil. I've discovered, I'm talking about me, that, and this is, this is, this is, this is a confession. As I started reading more and more about Mark, I really discovered, Elder Nita, that I really don't hate the devil. I dislike him, but I don't hate him. See, what do you mean? See, when you hate the devil, you want to destroy everything he tries to touch. When you hate the devil, you cannot stand 
seeing marriages broken up. You cannot stand seeing children suffer. You cannot stand seeing people ruined and not be compelled to do something. You can't look at someone who's sick and say, I, I, I hate what sin is doing. I'm not saying that the person sin. I'm saying I hate what, what the devil, this is not what God wants. There are places Jesus went where the Bible says he healed everyone. Hallelujah. And so I'm, I'm as I'm reading about Jesus, I'm reading about Jesus, I find myself starting to think like this. And I sometimes myself starting to say, okay. What, what do I need to do? So, first of all, during the month of Mark, month of Mark, month of June, on Tuesdays, we're just gonna go through only four times through the Book of Mark, and we're just gonna t we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Gospel, Book of Mark. If you wanna join us uh, on Tuesday, we're gonna try to make it exciting and interesting. But I want to challenge you. There's all these Bible apps. I found, in fact, uh, I was talking to my wife yesterday, and she was with her, her, uh, her small group of young women who, who are leaders, and and they turned her on to a hip hop version of the Book of Mark. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, little, you know, I'm an old dude. It's a little bit too much, you know. You know, in the mean, what? No, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I know, just just give me somebody who speaks in British English, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was it's kind of interesting hearing, you know. <laughs> but 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 my point is is that hey, whatever will get you to read the word. I, I sent it to one of uh, one of the saints who are my age, and I said this is interesting. And they sent me back. They sent the reply with the emoji with the eyes blown out like, whoa. <laughs> but my point is, is that whether you listen, whether you read it, travel with the book of Mark. It's a short, it's a short chapter, but it's, it's full of Jesus doing stuff. And let's see what would happen at the end of June if we travel through the book of Mark. Thank you.